Constructing Modern Knowledge podcast. This episode is session one of the Constructing Modern Knowledge Celebration Day, featuring the virtual faculty meeting, recorded on July 16th, 2020. This is the first of that day's three special events. Here's your host, Dr. Gary Steger. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are in the world. I'm Gary Steger, and welcome to the first and hopefully only ever um, virtual Constructing Modern Knowledge celebration. Uh, Unfortunately, we were required this year to, to cancel CMK after 12 successful summer institutes. And we plan on being back bigger and stronger next July, God willing, and hopefully the virus is under control and, and the planet is still here and life returns to normal. Um, I'm really excited about the day that we have ahead of us. There's three events starting with, with this one, which, which I think is a great kickoff, in which I'm going to introduce you to our faculty. Some of these folks have been been part of the team at Constructing Modern Knowledge since its inception in 2008. Um, Most of them have six, seven, eight, nine years under their belt. And every year when I'm thanking folks for their their participation in CMK, I get kind of misty-eyed and and tear up a bit um, when I think about the remarkable contributions that these women and men make to creating what I think is one of the most unique learning events in the world. Um, so as I said, I'm going to introduce them in a moment. And they se- several of them have selected projects from previous years at Constructing Modern Knowledge that they would like to share and talk about, reminisce about a little bit. We'll have a little conversation with the faculty because we haven't seen each other in a year or more. Some, some of us haven't been together in several years. And then We'll throw this open to everyone for for conversation. You can ask questions of any of the the faculty, not just myself or my partner, Sylvia Martinez, who's helping steer this ship. Zoom is misbehaving this morning for me, so we'll try our best. Um, So we have a full day of events ahead using the same Zoom link after the virtual CMK faculty meeting that you're currently in um, at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Sylvia will be hosting a conversation with creative educators who are alumnus, alumnums, alumni of people who have been to CMK in the past. Um, and they're going to share not only their reminiscences of learning in, in Manchester during the summer um, over the past 12 years, but also um, what they're doing in their, their current vocational roles and the impact that CMK has had on their their practice and the lessons that that take them into their everyday work. And then at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going to have an Ask Me Anything session with Alfie Cohn. Alfie has been a guest speaker at Constructing Modern Knowledge twice and was scheduled to be with us this week in the flesh in Manchester. And he's agreed graciously to to participate um, in his day-long celebration of Constructing Modern Knowledge. Um, I want to thank the folks who have, have really helped make this go. Um, our patrons, VIPs, supporters, and contributors. And if your name isn't up here, that's fine. We want people to participate no matter what. We, we realize 
that the world is a complex place and there are lots of challenges facing all of us, but we appreciate everyone being here. If you haven't contributed to help defray the cost of making this go, you can go to paypal.me slash Gary Steger um, at any point in the future. So I want to introduce you to some of our faculty. Um, the first picture is Josh Berker, um, Amy DeGray, Brian Silverman, James Deck talking on the wooden cell phone, the recursive Tracy Rizidis. There's lots of Tracy in that photo. Um, Brian Smith and Sylvia at the Media Lab. There's Cynthia Solomon and Claudia Araya, Brian Smith again, Artemis Pappert down in the bottom right-hand corner. Angela with Walter and Henry Schlepper 1 and Schlepper 2. Angela comes to us from Bologna, Italy, where I was hoping to be in May. And, and unfortunately, that didn't happen, but I'm glad things have calmed down there and hope to get back as soon as it's possible. Um, top right-hand corner, Skylar St. Ledger, who's been a faculty member for the past few years. And the bottom, Kathy Helgo, who's one of my oldest friends and um, has been invaluable contributor to our event over the past decade. Um, Jasmine. I'm not, I'm not sure if Janine is, is here, um, but Janine makes everything go. She works tirelessly and does a lot of backbreaking labor to make our institute function every year. And last but not least, I have to thank my partner in life and in CMK, Sylvia Martinez, and she'll probably get a kick out of some of these old photos that I found and one from a year or two ago, um, where that's the, literally the luggage that we carry with us from Los Angeles to Manchester, um, in addition to the 60 or so cases of materials that, that typically get shipped. So... CMK has, has been, always been about hard fun for educators, creating a, a productive context for learning where anything is possible, where any kind of material is within arm's reach, where any idea, no matter how whimsical or crazy or technically complex or simple, is, is worth exploration and, and project sense. And we, we have a giant space with tons of materials and an amazing faculty that support educators in realizing their dreams and hopefully creates a context in which they after they leave they think that the world needs not be as it seems that i'm i'm capable i'm competent i'm creative i can be collaborative i can solve problems that that i didn't even know existed before oops ah technical problem again so at cmk the project is our smallest unit of concern as I always suggest, it should be in any classroom, that we always begin with the question of what do you want to do? Not only what do you want to do, what do you want to make? I stand corrected. What do you want to make? And from that, people embark on this four-day learning adventure where they create things with friends, colleagues, and new friends and colleagues who they never met before. Um, they select their group sizes. They select the kinds of projects they want to work on. And year after year after year, people do things that are not only beautiful and whimsical and playful and creative, um, but also are on the bleeding edge of the technological possibilities that these emerging technologies and materials provide for us. So the first, the first project I want to share is is Josh Berker. And Sylvia, if you can unmute Josh, Josh selected this project that um, 
I'm going to share my screen a little bit in a different fashion um, so that I can play the sound. Give me a second to find that. Oh, actually, actually, if we could, we could do Tracy first. Okay. Tracy can unmute herself. Tracy, can you unmute yourself? Yep, here I am. Okay, you see the project? Yep. You want to tell us a little bit about it, and then I'll hit play, or I'll hit play, and you'll tell us a little about it? Um, I'll talk, well, I chose this one because... Oh, that's a bad idea. Hang on. I'll, I'll, I'll push play after you talk about it a little bit. Okay. I just chose this. It, it always struck me as the kinds of what, things that happen at CMK when you're helping people, you're walking around, there's all sorts of corners and, and, and amazing things happening. And then all of a sudden it's like towards the end and we're going to share and you come across something and you're like, where did this come from? Where was I when this was happening? And it's like beautiful and it's, it's perfect and it's collaborative and people like it's a makey makey project. So in some ways it's simple in terms of what it uses. Um, but it illustrates just the, the, like as Gary was saying, the beauty, the joy, and also the collaboration. Um, in this particular case, it uses the makey makey and sound, and um, you can, there's touch points on the wall, what act as uh, conductive areas. And if you hold on to one and hold on to another, the music plays, I think it was music, I can't remember. And then you can work with people and hold hands and have the, the electricity conduct through you. But I, I just love this. And one other thing I loved about it was that I, I, I showed this and shared this with some of my students. And I had three sixth graders that ended up sort of taking this wall in the corner of the staircase in my public school I worked at and spent a month putting together not this, but something like this. And it, it was just so inspirational. So, that's, so I'll play a second of it. Yeah. I think the scale of it is significant as well, right? Yes. That you, you can, you, you know, you're not making something itsy bitsy. You're making something quite, quite yeah. substantial. And, and I guess just, I know I'm kind of going over time a little, okay. don't have time, but <laughs> um, the, the idea that my students then sort of took over this wall, which was in, you know, outside of the school. I mean, it was in the school, but in the stairwell. But I always thought, you know, that's what you need to give students, not just like a little corner of the bulletin board where you can staple up their worksheet, but a space in the school that they can make and they can have and they can, you know, work with. And they created um, the sta stairs that ha were connected to theirs. They used the staircase and all sorts of things. And, you know, that's, it just sort of always stuck with me. Cool. Okay, so next project is Josh. Josh's choice. <laughs> so hi, this, Josh. hi everyone. Thanks for having me, Gary, Sylvia. Um, this project happened back in 2015, and it and is similar in regards to the way Tracy described hers. Is that? Um, the people, there were two people working on this, uh, a man and a woman, and um, they didn't make a lot of noise um, as they worked. And um, they were, you know, nice enough, but didn't have a lot to say as I would pop by kind of, you see, they've 
they pulled a glockenspiel out of the toy kit there. Um, and then they found a bag of alligator clips and another bag of uh, um, pager motors, as well as this um, tiny little keyboard, electric keyboard, a lot of alligator clips and an Arduino. And they, um, I like this project because it's really an example of bricolage, working with what you know you have on hand to um, make your project come to fruition. Um, the guy who um, made—I didn't catch the woman's name—but I've subsequently run into the guy a number of times. His name's Sean. He ended up at the the media lab, and I think he's associated with the um, the Scratch um, team and the uh, lifelong learning. Um, Lifelong kindergarten, sorry. Um, so what it ended up doing, um, and this, you know, was really at, at the big reveal, is you can play. Uh, I have notes. it. Okay, cool. Reshare it with um, the 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 video with. Um, make sure you check the box to have the audio included, Gary. Okay. We try that again. Hang on. You, you got to like unshare the, your screen and then reshare that that window. Okay. Hang on. There we go. I'll try it one more time. Yeah. Thanks. Hang on. Oh, go back to this there. I apologize, everyone. I try to make this seamless, and technology didn't cooperate this morning. Okay. Share. Here we go, one more time. Is it working? Yeah. Okay. So tell... Any other so, thoughts on so, it? So, you know, it, it, it's, as Asimov said, like technology, good technology is indistinguishable from magic. And I think that's a piece of magic. Um, just because I'm sitting here in front of all my records, too, I'm, I'm going to hold, hold this up. Um, back in 2012, at, at the second CMK, I went to right before I left Maine, um, where I was staying to, to head to um, Manchester, Vegas. I picked up this record and told myself I'm going to um, build a record player to play this. And that year, um, Mark Frauenfelder was there, uh, one of my idols as one of the editors of BoingBoing.net. And he took interest and, you know, kept on checking back with me. And at the end of my project, um, with that record of the sounds of Fiji playing from a, a Lego record player, um, <laughs> hired me to write an article for Make Magazine. So uh, I got to get my name out there and in kind of a wider audience and, um, you know, inspire, inspire fellow freaks. So thanks, Gary. That's fantastic. Brian Smith, you with us? Unshare my screen. Okay. Yes, I'm here. Hey, Brian. How are things in Hong Kong? Good. Thank you for accommodating me at this, you know, wonderful hour. <laughs> we should say that it's after midnight in Hong Kong, but it's the only way to get Hong Kong and Europe in at the same time. Um, I've got a couple projects of, that you you selected. I think we'll start with the. Um, with the Fitbit shoes, and then we'll then TARDIS. We'll see how we go on time. We'll we'll 
go quickly through a couple of them. If you can talk about them as I share the screen. And, I just didn't know who was going to share what here. So, okay. Uh, I, you know, I just, I have this affinity for these wearable projects. We need a little more volume from you. Good. Maybe if I hold this up, is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure what people were going to share here. So I, I just threw a couple of different ones, but I, I found that as I looked through them, I had this affinity for a lot of the wearable projects that people had. Um, but I remember this particular group that I work with and, and obviously the faculty worked um, with them as well. But um, this is a group I, I know I keep coming back to during that event. And um, it was a group of teachers that had no experience whatsoever with any microcontrollers and um, they just wanted to do something fun. And they came up with this, uh, they had seen a project on the Adafruit website and they wanted to kind of replicate that. And what they wanted to do was make it a little bit more, uh, I guess, user, not user friendly, but actually something somebody could actually use and make it usable for students as well. So they made this basically the shoes that were a, you know, a step counter, um, so a pedometer. And they had it, instead of having like a number, the lights, the LED lights around the bottom would increase the colors and they would change based on, I don't know if it was how many tens or hundreds of, of steps that they took, but obviously it's programmable so they could change it. And um, they kept going, you know, running into barrier after barrier, but they kept hurtling over them. And um, it was just a really great project. And there was just so much excitement and that aha moment happened multiple times with this group. So, you know, I think one time I remember hearing them cheering and I was outside the room and I, so I went running in. It's one of those moments at CMK that you hear all the time. And um, this group had several of them in one time. So I th this is one that really stuck out in my mind. Oh, here we go. We're, We're getting, getting close here. We're getting close to the light show. I got like you're almost at your reward. I think turquoise, right? Is the last color? Yes, we're about to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, they're about to come. Do you remember the experience level of the group? None. Zero. They had, um, and actually in this video, I think they, they, they talk about that, um, that they had come from different content areas and um, I think some of them were STEM and was a tech director, but they had no experience with programming and no experience with microcontrollers. And, and they, I, you know, they made something that, that's, that, that actually works. I mean, I remember telling them the, the third night when they had, had it working pretty successfully, don't improve it. Because <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to be able to share it with people that, that, right, that they, they, they really, really wanted to. Yeah. Can I can I just add something that was hey really James ha hello hello everyone uh, I didn't do my homework and share some projects but um, I thought I'd just piggyback on a few of these um, something that I remember about this project is they didn't um, despite the many many different sensors that are available at CMK um, didn't have something that could go inside a shoe I think they actually made their own sensor using this electrostatic film does anybody remember that is that true was this yeah, I think that's right. So that was pretty remarkable. You know what else is remarkable? Since the last CMK, James became a dad of Emerson. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll show up. He'll point. show up? 
we have lot, and we we have lots of exciting things happening. Dan and Molly Water with us. Dan and Molly haven't been at CMK in a few years, but I always point out that anything I know about teaching adults, teaching teachers in particular, I learned from them. Um, Anne Nelson, my our good friend, is with us from Australia, despite the fact that it being two thirty in the morning there. So we'll give Ann a chance to, to pop in in a moment. Um, just Brian, let me just share a couple more of the projects. We'll just talk over them quickly. We'll play a little bit of the TARDIS, and I still need a little more volume from you if that's possible. What do we have here? Um, so this is yeah. our control panel for the TARDIS. So, Anybody walking through the lobby here can gosh, this mess one. around with a whole bunch of buttons. Most of them are kind of self-contained so, uh, machines so, uh, and microcontrollers and, and whatnot. But we also have uh, this so record what? player button here. So when I turn the, the dial, it actually moves the magnetic servo there inside on the door of the TARDIS. Yeah. And then everything else is just you know sound effects and noises. We've got like the TARDIS whoosh effect there, um, the don't panic button, the, uh, this one controls the music box, just an on-off switch. It's a quiet music box, yeah. but quiet, believe but us, no it's worries. there. Um, I showed you the record, and then this, this one we're still working on. music box right here. That's the music box, yep. Okay. And then this one we're hoping to make a magic eight ball. Right now it just kind of like fades the text of Doctor Who there, but so we're going to work on that. So those are potentiometers. Yeah. And this is programmed to say Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And then we've got okay. this uh, motion-activated eyeball sensor here. Okay. Oh. It works, so, yeah. As, I'll, I'll point at the eye while you activate it. Yeah, it uh, it kind of opens and closes yeah. as you put something in front of the oh, sensor there. And then- so, you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I was trying to say something. Like just The scale of that was just really impressive. And I think what I loved, so many things about it, but, you know, it used the space. Um, it used two sides of a glass wall. And there was little cracks in the wall and they were feeding wires through it and um, to get that to happen. And I also really like um, something that I try to do in, in the space that I, I teach in and provide the environment for our kids here in Hong Kong is the mix of um, technological media, I guess, is what they used from, you know, you saw Arduinos in there, but you also, he had uh, them using uh the Lego Mindstorms as well. I think that um, that mix of, of creativity, having those things and, and sort of saying, hey, I could do this with this thing, but I could do this other thing with the, uh, you know, Arduino or something. Um, it wasn't just about one particular technology that they used. It was just whatever idea came up, what's available, let's do it. And I think that's what came up too, where there's a lot of home appliances that were hanging in there that were sort of objects and, and props that he was using inside the TARDIS that I really liked. And and you mentioned if you could just talk about them because we, we, I'll avoid showing them the the UV hat and um, energy producing shoes. Oh yeah, those are just again they're sort of the wearable ones that the UV hat was was kind of really useful and fun um, for kids. Then there people were thinking about their kids and outside, and um, that one came to mind because I was just spending some time at the beach recently. Um, and the energy- sorry one- about that. That's okay. Um, that energy producing shoes was a project that was, it's a really, really difficult project. Um, and, you know, to, to produce energy from just walking around is not something that's, that's been done before, but they, they were actually able to get 
So a little flicker of LED light that had happened and, you know, I had spent so much time doing it. Um, again, one of those aha, really exciting moments, even though it was just this really small flicker of a, of a illumination. Um, but those are me, some ones that really stuck out to me. Let me just show a couple seconds of them. that really quickly um all right so i'm going to stop sharing for a second because we've got a, a little visitor if i can get my computer to stop sharing <sighs> emerson is with us you want to say you want to say hi emerson <laughs> oh, no, trying to figure out this whole language thing but look they're waving at you He's playing with the uh, cardboard. Hi, everyone. <laughs> We're in the midst of packing up uh, eight years living in a little apartment in New York City. And um, much to Gary's chagrin, I'm moving to New Jersey. <laughs> well, it's great to see both of you. Um, I want to just introduce Aunt Angela Lombardi coming to us from Bologna. Um, She's been with us for the past two years and has made a vital contribution to, to not only project work, but to reflective activities yeah, at CMK. And she selected a couple projects that she wanted to talk about. I'll cue them up and, and, then, and then you can chat about them. Let me turn the screen on again. This project is from last year. Hi, Angela. Hello. Hi. Hi, everybody. So, hey, can I say something before the, the video? Please. Oh, okay. So, I choose this project. Okay, you will discover the main reason why very soon. But what I love more about the two ladies working on this project was how much hard fun I saw them having doing CMK and doing the making of this project because they had a lot of bugs in their code and you will see the project is very complex and has a lot of sensors and models running all the face of the Zork, of Zoltana. But they were so into this that they didn't give up even when things get very, very buggy. And so uh, they really show me how when you work on something you care about and you are passionate about, you don't give up because even when you are str struggling and you are having fun. And so 
they really reminded me about how the fun that Simon Papet uh, talk about in all his books, and that's why I, I choose mostly. Ready to see it? Can I can I yeah. add something really quick? Sure, go ahead, Josh. Um, yeah. So, tip, you know, we have to break CMK down because Gary and Sylvia have to go home and and you know get this stuff out of uh, the Radisson. We loved Zolanda so much that I was talked into taking her home. And she lived in my basement for, for two years. Um, but then I finally, I had to let her go. <laughs> okay, so let's see. Yes. <laughs> Hello there. Come a little closer. Let Zoldana read your aura. motion detection because she said come closer. So I thought... Like it got triggered when you got to a certain distance. So the way it's actually designed is you would get your key, you would come up to her, you would slide it in and out, and then the light sensor would go, and then she would start. It's okay. Hello there. Come a little closer. Let Sudana read your aura. Yes. I see good things. <laughs> you want to you want to say anything more about it? Anyone? Has a great accent. <laughs> yeah. Great accent. <laughs> I I mean it's a good project and if kids want to learn another language because I, I, mean, I really have to speak really so well to make it understandable for English-speaking people. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. The, so the thing I love about the project is that it has all of the science and engineering and programming that one would find in any really good robotics project. But it's, but it's in this absolutely beautiful form that isn't a truck that kills some other school's truck. And, and again, the scale and, and the, the aesthetic of it, I think, is, is quite spectacular. Yeah, there was yeah. just, and I just, and and you know, it's the it's not complicated. It was it's felt and uh, and plastic straws. There wasn't anything special or expensive about any of the mechanisms. It was all kind of, you know, pinned together and and but it had this very organic feel to it that that just worked. And then Angela's voice was the icing on the cake. Yeah. Well, but it's like paint and and canvas, right? I mean, you can make infinite complexity with, with simple objects, with simple materials. And then we've was, just got the, the Quidditch game that, that you you requested as well, Angela. You want to say? Zolanda was built around the Hummingbird. Yeah. Right, the Hummingbird Robotics Kit and it's programmed yeah. Snap. Yep. Yeah. You want to tell us just 10 seconds about the Quidditch game? Oh, yes. I, I chose this one because of the iteration that I saw in the group. They were three ladies, I think, and they were so into Harry Potter, so into, that they really started the project just thinking about, oh, we're going to have to do something Harry Potter related. And they started with very simple things and then added more and more and more. And they have no prior experience. And you're going to see they have some electronics inside and they 3D printed some of the parts. And just uh, iteration after iteration, they were very 
um, willing to try to learn something new uh, just because they want to edit in their project. And that is something that I'm really looking forward for my kids when we are working to, into, for, for a project because this willing to, to learn because I need to learn uh, for my project is so amazing. One of the things they learned was that the game they invented was almost impossible. It was so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Getting the little ball through one of those little hoops with the, with the, you know, the, the blockers and everything. But they, they had the best time. It didn't really matter. I mean, it's like when you're a kid and you're playing a game and you spend 90% of your time with, on arguing about the rules. This just was the experience was, was so worth it. Yeah. And you can see, you can see it the giant space that we have. Um, well, thanks for that. I'm going to share really quickly one of my favorite projects. This is Kelly Knight. Kelly's been to, I believe, five CMKs. And so she knows that no idea is too outrageous um, or off limits. And a few years ago, she said during the project brainstorming session, I want to make an animated Marie Antoinette wig. And then with this intricate paper folding with her and her colleagues, they created this, this beautiful work of art that like you can't even see your face. The fly around the <laughs> this morning she was drinking and coffee you while head, like wearing the wig and your it was your <laughs> And then I, can you make it tweet now? Yes. Wow, what a light is working. Oh. And the little straw allowed you to expel 3D printed bees from your head and again the, the thing I love about this project is that it's it's every sort of scientific you know stem objective you might you might ever seek from any kind of robotics project but it's in this beautiful personal whimsical perhaps a form that that's connected to a literature unit or history or something. Um, wait, wait, Sarah, Sarah Magner just posted in the chat that she drove the Marie Antoinette wig home and it, it to Baltimore and it still works. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that's, that's enduring, isn't it? This was a project from, from a couple of years ago. Skylar St. Ledger worked on this and maybe Skylar has a, has a memory he wants to share. Um, but it was, you could click your heels together on the shoes and call a, call an Uber. Yeah, I remember this project. It was really neat. They were uh, inspired by the idea of um, the Wizard of Oz and the ruby slippers. You you tap them three times to take yourself home. So uh, they actually they found these shoes. They uh, figured out how to take them apart and make enough space in the heel for an Arduino um, and GPS. And they set it up so that when you click the heels three times, because there's a button on them, uh, it would then uh, call an Uber that would take you to your house. And I just, it was really cool, like, seeing them do, like, both the wearable fashion stuff and also, like, a practical thing of helping you get home. Uh, it was really neat project. And it was also really impressive seeing how they were able to learn and figure out how you um, interface with Uber and Arduino and all of that. Right. And, and what I love about this is that, you, you know, uh, shoes that call a taxi might be something that kids draw a sketch of in the past and show off at the invention convention in their schools. And it's this kind of, you know, make-believe experience. Um, but this is actually something you can do. 
that wouldn't maybe never have occurred to any of us. But in the context of CMK, this this idea that they had was actually something that they could realize. Yeah, and I, I, you know, when I show this to people, I, they always say, "Well, it doesn't really call an Uber," and I'm like, "Well, yes and no." Um, the the interesting thing was that when Skyler told the group that Uber offers this sandbox for a, a developers to try out their APIs that are supposed to work with Uber, this group went, "Okay, we can do that too." So they were actually using the real Uber, you know, development system, and yeah. That cars did not come, but honestly, this is real. Yeah, yeah they had the um, whole thing set up where if they just changed it to the like production Uber thing, it would have called a car. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of as Gary said, one of my favorite things about CMK is the kind of anything is possible approach, where you have these ideas that seem really uh, fantastical at the beginning of the week, and by the end of the week, people have actually built them. It's it's really inspiring. And, and I always love that there are projects that people show on Friday that none of us saw during the week. Yeah. That somehow they flew under the radar screen entirely. And we're like, where did that come from? And, and people who started on one project and it morphed into something completely different or they joined another team or they, they contributed to lots of different projects. And it's, it's been great having um, all sorts of, of skill sets as part of our faculty, Skyler knows how to do absolutely everything when it comes to electronics and programming and such. And it's been invaluable um, in helping teachers realize goals like this. So Sarah's, Sarah's here. Sarah, Sarah, you want to talk about your, the, your project for a moment while I figure out how to get out of this? Sarah Magner. Where is she? You unmute her? I'm looking for her. Oh, there she is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so uh, I became obsessed with the Schuber project, um, and it gave me a, an appreciation for when my students become obsessed with projects, and they, they want to stay in for every recess and every, um, every lunchtime and keep working. But um, it, that was one of the hardest things that, I, that uh, my group and I ever, that I've ever done. Um, but uh, CMK make, does make you believe you can do anything. And coming back and sharing all the projects that people did with my students makes them know that they can do anything that they want to do. Um, and CMK really changed the way I teach. Um, just how you all, how the faculty would come over to the, to the table and help you just a little bit, but not, in, not too much. Um, they wouldn't give you the answer, but they would make you believe that you could find the answer. Um, so it was. Well, thanks for that. I mean, I, I often say that, you know, these projects are, were created entirely without instruction. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't provide assistance when, when people, people ask for it or need it, or we observe or are, are struggling a bit. Um, but, but I, I, I I love how the faculty can point to something or say, have you considered line of symmetry? And that's all that's necessary for, for someone's ideas to take flight. And, and one of the things that I love about the, the faculty that I, I get to share with the world every summer is that I trust them to not lecture and to not overteach and to not, and to not do any front loading. And, 
I know by now if I raise an eyebrow or point in a certain way, Josh or Tracy or James or Skylar or Cynthia or Artemis or Kathy or Sylvia um, know exactly what to do and how to intervene to help help people get get over the the obstacle that's in front of them and and unveil reveal the next possibility um, or next challenge that's that's available to them so you know one thing i wanted to say about that is that i i often often saw at cmk where people who were not making progress on something would go to different faculty serially and uh <laughs> listen to a, you know listen to an explanation take a hint and then go to the next faculty and then go to the next person and then go to the next person. And it wasn't like they were ignoring the advice. They were just sort of like in a collection mode. And, you know, the, the a lot of times all of the ideas from different faculty would come in. It, it, you know, it made me think about how we can provide more kinds of feedback and, and you know, peer-to-peer kinds of uh, support for, for kids in the classroom rather than depending on just one source. Oh, we totally gave them conflicting advice. James is absolutely right. Yeah, one of us would say, use an Arduino, and the other one would say, do not use an Arduino, and, you know, but they figured it out. Almost everybody figures it out on their own. You know, Bob Kahn message, he's, he's talking about don't overteach. Um, I mean, I think you have to think about sometimes teaching is just sitting beside someone, and and listening or going and grabbing a part or a tool that might be just in time. Um, one of the great lessons, one of the great gifts that I received working with Seymour Papert in the prison for teenagers for over three years was um, these kids wouldn't suffer through more than a minute or two of instruction. And once our bruised ego got, got over our hurt feelings, it occurred to me that there's almost never a time where you need more than a minute or two of instruction. Show the kids something offer a challenge, make a suggestion, ask a good question, share a prompt, and then let them do something. And then you can revisit it and you can provide support on an ongoing basis or they can observe what other people are doing. Or you can say, hey, that group over there has discovered how to do whatever and they become a resource and the, the expertise becomes distributed throughout the, the learning context. All right, so I'm, that's some projects. I'm gonna shut up now because we've gone on too long about that, but hopefully you get a taste of what CMK is about. I want to mention some some other old friends who are with us. Jasmine is here. Um, she's been at probably 10 CMKs and and is one of the highlights of the, the year for everyone. Um, I mentioned Ann Nelson is here from Australia. Cynthia Solomon has been with us since year one. Cynthia is the mother of educational computing. Almost anything you do in a classroom with computers that's constructive, creative, open-ended, computational um, it is related to the work that, that – that she did with Seymour Papert in the mid and late sixties up to, up until today. And it's, it's always a great honor to have, have her with us and to be able to work alongside of her. Um, Ask if any of them have a comment. So, so, so any, anybody who hasn't spoken yet of the faculty, do any of you want to want to chime in and, and share anything that's about your life, about where you are at the moment, about the CMK experience, and then we'll open it up to everyone in the audience. Uh, I'd like to make a comment. Hi, Artemis. Hi. So CMK is about making wonderful projects, wonderfully working uh, learning experience. Another thing that's really important to CMK is the conversations you can have with people. And Gary is 
a master in finding the most amazing people to come and talk. And one of the people that came at several CMKs and for me was a highlight is um, Carla Rinaldi from the Reggio Emilia School in Italy. And the first year she was there, she gave a talk and I thought everybody would just flock towards her and want to talk to her all the time. But there was only a few people there and there was, so I went and talked to her, Carla. And she said, you want to go for a, go for a coffee? And there was, they were like, yes, I'd love to go for a coffee with you, but you know, it's a fair game. You're so, you know, there's these people that came there. I should give them a chance to want to talk to Carla too. But you know, since nobody seemed to be paying attention to Carla, I said, okay, let's go and have lunch. Let's go and have coffee. And I had these wonderful conversations with Carla feeling a tiny bit selfish to have her all to myself, but then I said, okay, what the heck, I'll do it. You know, and that's the well, part things, of what CMK is for me is also the conversations you have with people. What well, you one, of the things that I, one of the things that I love is what I, I'm getting an echo from somebody. Um, what, what teachers report to me sometimes years later about the impact that CMK had on them or the experiences that they had that we were completely unaware of. So I remember getting on the bus a couple of years ago and saying, hey, everyone have a good time in Boston tonight? And what'd you do? And just trying to be a cheerleader, keep the energy level up. And one of the teachers who was there for the second time said, I, I went to that place that I took Carl Car Rinaldi for, to have soup dumplings last year. And, and I, and, and I love those, I love those experiences where people get to work on a project with their hero or, or look over their shoulder and realize that someone they never dreamed of meeting someone who they've respected, someone who shaped their thinking, um, is, is interested in, in, in their work, is interested in them. And I know, you know, Walter, who, who has been part of CMK over the years, teach taught um, Edith Ackerman how to play Pokemon Go. And um, I, I just love the, the, the stories about how things happen in those interstitial moments where, where no one's looking, where it's not scripted, where it's not planned, that you're supposed to have a conversation with someone, where you can break bread, where you could be human with your teachers. And I think that that's an important lesson for any of us who are teaching students of any, of any age. Um, who else wants to share from the faculty? And uh, in a couple of minutes, we'll open it up to everybody. This is Kathy. I just wanted to, uh, you showed some good examples of, of, of these large projects. I loved how having all the materials that you had available and the, the, the possibilities kind of these groups kind of form and then change and shift and uh it's like this amoeba forms <laughs> kind of comes together and these massive projects uh, evolve out of out of everything together uh, i i have many memories of these just huge projects and i just think having Having all of the the time, the space, and the materials, and the people, really, uh, I, I'm just always blown away by not only the creativity, but the just the ambition of the projects. What, what I what surprised me was when we when we grew as as an institute and we 
needed a larger space. And we ended up with the giant expo center. Um, I wasn't surprised that the projects got physically bigger. What surprised me was that their teams got larger as well. That when there was more space, projects weren't confined to two or three people working on something on a desktop. Um, but that, they made big projects, but now 10 or 12 or 15 people were working on different aspects of the project at the same time. And that's, really? that's something that I don't see very well documented when you think people are talking about learning spaces, that the actual space itself allowed for more collaboration as well as for the projects to be, you know, gigantic or of, of actual size. Um, as for the stuff, you know, we, we try to have, anything that anyone would need within arm's reach in order to realize their, their ambition, but also to inspire something. So, you know, one of the stories that Sylvia likes to talk about is, is a, a stuffed animal that was used in many projects over many years. Um, but I, I was a giant um, Edison geek as a kid. When I was in third grade, I went to the Edison Laboratories in West Orange, New Jersey on a school field trip when the tour guides were still gentlemen who had worked for Mr. Edison. And he had a giant storeroom in his R&D facility where he said ev there was everything there uh, from the tusks of an elephant to the eyeballs of a United States senator. <laughs> and and we, we try to realize that, that notion at CMK where pipe cleaners and 3D printer waste um, are right there next to paint and Arduino and all sorts of electronics and computers and any other kind of material that, that might be of, of, of use or might inspire a project. Please. Can I share uh, Eeyore? Sure. Um, uh, where's Eeyore? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, there he is. So Eeyore was a stuffed animal that went back and forth in the toy box for multiple CMKs, which as an aside, Gary and I fight over every year. And it's like, no one's used this. No one needs it. We, why are you buying a, a gross of pager motors? Why are we shipping toy glockenspiels across the country? And then people do amazing things with them and he gets to gloat about being right. But um, Eeyore was shipped back and forth across the country multiple times. And then one year he ended up in three different projects. And then someone, while the cleanup was going on, took it upon themselves to sew Eeyore back together. And this was actually before the eyes were found. So the one eye got found and, and Eeyore's probably in the box in our shed uh, with one eye and a, and a sewn on ear, but well, you know, like the Velveteen rabbit, it just proves what a, what an amazing experience was had by all. I'd love to hear from John Stetson or Dan and Molly or, or Brian before we open this up. I could go Anyone? first. Yeah. That, Brian. Yeah. Um, so you know the way it is that whatever, like the teacher asks a question, like what projects you want to show. Um, I like figuring out why that isn't really the right question or interpreting it in some way that was ridiculous. And it really occurred to me that the one project that I think is the most impressive is CMK. And, you know, watching how it's evolved and been debugged and mutated and all of the things that everybody's been saying about particular projects, CMK itself has gone through that. Say, say a little bit more about that. 
Um, well, I was gonna. Um, Artemis said she wanted to tell this story, but um, we both kind of latched on. I don't remember which year it was. It was perhaps. Here. Um, there was one year where CMK was getting 30, 40 people, and we show up one day and we say, okay, Gary, how many this year? And you say 175. <laughs> okay. Um, and I look at Brian and I say, okay, we're going back home now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I probably said that too. <laughs> you probably said that too, but that turned out to be one of the best years for all of the reasons that Gary was just, you know, going on about is it allowed things to grow and scale in a lot of different ways. Right, and increase the energy level. And, 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 it, was, and it, was, it was actually terrific. And uh, it's part of, you know, what we were saying is just like a typical project. We heard, we heard what you were saying and we were skeptical, but we were proved wrong. <laughs> well, I think, I think if you, you come back to this idea of the project being the smallest unit of concern, that I, 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 I think you're right. The, the CMK is a project itself and within it, there's all these other nesting projects. And, and, and then hopefully that, that goes back to the classroom as well. Dan and Molly. Yes. Hello. Yes. Hello. Can you? Hi. Yes. 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 We have this beautiful microphone just for today. Wow. <laughs> um, Are you uh, shoplifting again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. When that's what a good teacher does, you know, collects things from wherever. <laughs> collects. Well, I I just want to um, uh, piggyback on Artemis about the conversations. Uh, I, the conversations are wonderful with everyone, and the meta conversations are just what education needs to be about. The long time and the meta conversations, and. You know, I'm not, I use technology all the time, but I'm not so, I'm so happy that I was paired with James, who really knows <laughs> what he's doing. But I do feel like I know how to do a good question and a good reflection back, which is really the, the uh, thing that you do to be a, a fine teacher over the years. Um, but I was worried my first day when I came, I thought Dan will be fine, but what the heck am I going to be doing? Even though I've taught Logo for thousands and thousands of adults. Um, and the first day I walked into the room, someone said, some young man said, does anyone know how to thread a needle? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, yes, this is something that encompasses all we know. Everything we know how to do can find a place in CMK. Thank you for that. It's just such a whole space for whole learning. No little vitamin uh, capsules of uh, programmed education. We really get the whole thing of being involved in an experience. So Dan, I want to probably wants to say something too. So I'm yeah. hogging this. You guys are I'm getting so younger. Excited I'm excited to be that. What? You're getting younger. I'm getting, I'm 82. I'm a great grandmother now. Even though, you know, James got to be a father, but we got to be great grandparents through great care on our part of choosing a good grandson. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you ever think I'd be a grandparent? I, I hoped that I hope that yes. for everyone, but fewer called to serve. 
So you are very lucky. <laughs> so I wanted to say something about the uh, about something that Molly and I did when we were there um, that was non-technology project. We tried to have projects out in the hallway that people could join in on when they needed a break and that would build to something that would uh, be finished by the end of the project. So one year we got this idea of the uh, Menger sponge, which is a kind of fractal design. And we got 2,400 business cards. It's sort of an origami project, 2,400 business cards. And you start by making cubes. And we had a bunch of people making cubes. And then you start by putting cubes together. And um, I did not prepare this. <laughs> So I, I have a couple of pictures here. I, I haven't learned about screen sharing yet. So I'm going to try to show you this on uh, on my uh, low tech. This. <laughs> Probably can't see it very well. A number of but people did it in their classrooms, they yeah, said later. Hundreds of many of the people in the workshop came by during the course of the workshop and participated in this. And when it was done, it was um, it was three units high and three three units cubed. And each of the cubes was a cube of of units. So it was a, a, a great success that we finished it. And um, we all celebrated with a pizza after we finished it. Um, <laughs> I just found that to be one of the one of the ways that we felt we could contribute because we do not know the Arduinos and that sort of thing, but we could have these projects that anybody could come by and join in for a little while and have a, a sense of, well, they contributed to this. And uh, we, we like doing that. And we've, I think it worked out very well. well and all the conversations that went on too. Plus we met the people from all across the spectrum of CNK. We, people who had been in their little group the whole time came and met other people. I mean, uh, <laughs> sure. Well, it was it's one of the ideas we got from the Leicestershire schools in the 70s. You always have something informal happening in the hallways that anybody from any classroom can participate in to support conversations and cross-learning. And it's one of the ways that Logo was so frustrating to teachers because they could not control the teaching of the language because kids talk to each other. <laughs> James, James typed something in the comments about, about working with Molly. I mean, one, one of the things that I love about CMK as well is not only sharing my friends and sheroes and heroes with with educators from around the world, um, but that I think we really walk the talk when we when we talk about lifelong learning and everyone being a learner and um, and I've, I you know a lot of the spontaneity of of CMK is is thought out and planned and when we've put people together to lead reflection circles at the end of the day, I've often assembled. Um, faculty members who I thought could augment and support and add to to each other's contributions and also learn from one another. I mean, James, you want to you want to talk a little bit about about partnering with with Molly? <laughs> well, I mean, she's just she's so so wise and um, just, I I know that she she feels like she doesn't know a lot about technology, but just seeing the way that she. Um, get people to really open up. I, I always worry about the reflections because it's not really something I'm very skilled with. Um, 
but uh, she just gets people starting talking and people really open up and um, not just about their projects, but about how they're working with their teammates or how they're not working with their teammates. And um, she just, she's able to sort of handle this like group therapy session. Uh, just <laughs> And keeps um, it positive and productive. I mean, I know, you know I mean, I've, Dan, Dan and Molly are invaluable in that capacity because they're like the yo-yo ma of of getting people to talk about about their thinking and talk about their uh, their feelings in not a narcissistic self-absorbed way but a way that benefits everyone and our oh, musicians look, look what they have immortalized by james uh, one year um when there when, when 3d scanners were kind of just coming in and james had one and we had oh, our ukuleles with us and he walked around us several times and three or four months later this arrived in the mail <laughs> you're, you're, you're we love it. Figures. Yes. <laughs> that was, that was thank Josh. you that's fantastic. Okay, so I just G want to get Gary, I'd like to say something. Oh, Cynthia! Yay, Cynthia! I'm, I'm such an outsider to all of this, but I was an observer for most of the years of CMK, and what Brian said, um, of course, I, I interact with, it's changed a lot, but one of the things that doesn't change is a surprise on so many of the participants that they come and they want to be told what to do. And after a while, it's kind of frustrating for them, but after a while, they, they really have an aha experience that things happen without being told what to do. And that asking questions and seeking help and observing is the really important element which CMK charges up. The kinds of things that go on, um, you know, my concern is there's less programming of the sort that interests me and more building of things that don't interest me. <laughs> but <laughs> I... Um, uh, I, I see uh, I, I see how it affects the, the participants and that, that more as the years go on, more participants come prepared. They're still utterly surprised <laughs> that what they do and who they work with has such incredibly interesting um, experiences and results and it's the experience that that uh sticks out in my mind so that's all i want to say no that's fantastic and, you know i often quote piaget saying knowledge is a consequence of experience we have these incredibly rich experiences together every year that even if you didn't work on a particular project you gain benefit from from proximity to it um so I want to, maybe, maybe Ann Nelson or John Stetson, who hasn't been with us in a couple of years, but was with us from the early days and is one of the finest teachers I've ever met, or Henry is with us. Henry has been, just graduated high school and has been admar admitted to Bard College and their conservatory on a full-ride scholarship 
for their five-year program. And, um, and we're awfully proud of him. And hopefully the school is actually going to happen and he's going to be able to partake in it. So maybe we'll hear from him as well. But I want to open this up to everyone now. Sylvia can unmute people and, and such. If you want people to raise their hands, people raise your hands and we'll unmute you. If you want to contribute, we'd love to hear from you in the, the few minutes that we have remaining. Marsha has a question. Marsha. Okay. Um, Hi, I'm unmuted. Hi, everybody. Um, I, I go back to the early days of CMK when we were so small that we had our, our, um, uh, present presenters in that tiny one little tiny room um, and given what we are going through today I want to make a quick aside um, I, you can't see me because my camera doesn't work but I'm an African-American woman and the very first year that I came I was the only person of color at that at the conference and everyone was so welcoming that my running joke for all these years have been, if I didn't look down at my hands, I would have forgotten I was black because that's just how open and kind and generous everyone who comes to CMK is. I have annoyed every single faculty member over the years that I've been there and everyone has been like, Oh yeah, no problem. No, you're not stupid. I can help you with this. And for many years, I never even ended up with a completed project. But my last one that I came to, I found a bunch of librarians and we did an animated scratch project. And it was the most fun I had ever had completing something. And I felt so proud. And every year I have dragged people to CMK. I have got moved out of the way so other colleagues could come. And um, for Brian and Artemis, our art teacher came one year. I dragged her kicking and screaming. And she sat with you guys at dinner. And um, you talked to her for like an hour. And it has changed her life, changed her life. And she talks about it all the time. And then, um, Rodney Williams, who came more recently to CMK, sure. he was so inspired, he wrote a book called The Makers. That's a kid's book about making, you know, um, and his characters are African-American because there isn't a lot of stuff about African-American kids out there doing making. And so this is the kind of thing that happens when you have a CMK. So I want to say thank you to you guys. And I want to say thank you to Sylvia and thank you to Gary for faithfully putting this together every year because it is so needed. You know, you know Marcia, that means, that means the world to me. And we love, we love you and we love having you participate. And this is, this goes out there to everybody. But well, being at Coca, Sylvia just handed me something. Sylvia just handed me the copy of, of Rodney's new book. And so we're proud of him. Yep, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. We <laughs> or you the got hardest to work. It's your the, library and make it part of the CMK library. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's not the backbreaking, packing and shipping and schlepping of boxes or any of the other logistics of CMK that are as hard work as just reaching people and inviting them to participate. And we're desperate to have more educators of color, more public school educators. 
Um, and if anyone has an idea for how we can realize that dream, I'm open to it. We'll do whatever, whatever it takes by any means necessary because we want people to be able to have this kind of experience so they can change the world of the kids that they serve. And we try to have as much diversity as possible when it comes to speakers. Um, we're, we've been better on gender than we have been on race, but we, but we have remarkable um, – got to take these out of my ears. We have a remarkable range of, of kinds of expertise and categories of speakers or performers that, that inspire um, the participants. There's always a speaker who's a great progressive educator. There's always a speaker who does something incredibly in interesting with technology. Uh, and, and yet there's someone who's extremely successful in their, their life's pursuit, often in a career path that your school guidance counselor didn't tell you was an option. And I, I so we're trying. We're you know as as Brian pointed out, you know the, that CMK is a project and the project continues to evolve. And if you have any idea for getting more public school educators to participate, private school educators. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry, public school educators, teachers of color to participate. Um, I'm I'm here for it, and we'll help in any way we can. It's this isn't a matter of economics. You know, schools spend their money on sending teachers to Google training and to school discipline conferences. The first time I heard that there was a school discipline conference, I was kind of astound, astonished by it. The idea that, you know, that, that there was not just one, but multiple conferences dedicated to the idea of how to punish children. Um, we're offering a clear alternative to that. And if you can help us figure out a way to get more people to participate, I'm, I'm happy with Brian was concerned about 175 people. I want a million people at CMK. Um, but okay. Anyone else want to share anything, ask a question of any of the faculty? Uh, Karen had a question in the chat about taking the kind of CMK energy to remote work, which I think is on everyone's mind. Anyone want to talk about that? I know Tracy, you're doing summer camps. Josh, I think you're doing online summer camps. So I have to go ahead, Tracy. Oh, well, you, well, we were both doing working with the same summer camp. And I know Josh and I had talked about, you know, what, what that does, how, how we can make that work. And, uh, you know, I felt like, for the summer camp, what was different from being in school in the past few months was the fact that I could have the uh, the kids and the students prepare what they were not prepare but have the materials. Um, I also chose things that were relatively easy to do online. One was programming with P5, and another one was uh, the next week was the micro bit. What? Um, but one thing I did notice, one of my takeaways was, and I got it got kind it kind of worked into that. I had five students the first week, and I had eight. You know, they're small, eight the second. But we kind of just ended up staying. It was a five day camp between ten and uh, one p.m., and we kind of stayed on Zoom the whole time. 
I obviously, it wasn't about me teaching something on Zoom, but we were all there and it kind of started working as a little community. Like they were, you know, the, the kid, I mean, again, it's camp, it's not, but you can still take things from that, you know, it's trying to kind of make that as the best circumstances you can and being able to share and be spontaneous and have side conversations and share with each other. And, you know, it, it worked out a lot better. I had a much better feeling at the end of it than I did going into it in terms of what was going to happen and how the, what, basically what the kids were going to get out of it. Um, but yeah, for the school thing, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because there's, I had a, was talking with a friend yesterday, a lot of the things that are either art or steam or music, you know, if you're going to be remote, those are the things that sort of get pushed, you know, like either lessened or pushed aside. And in some ways it's, I can be empathetic to, you know, people like teachers or administrators putting together programs that need to be, there's, they can't be as lengthy, they can't be as much as a typical school day, but they still have to kind of have the academics. I mean, I'm not even that kind of person. I think the academics exist in art and all those kind of places, but I can still appreciate and understand why that is in this time. So it's complicated. I'll just add to what Tracy said. I mean, I I teach at a progressive school in Manhattan and we went remote in March and the remote um, teaching I saw through two revisions of our, our schedule and how we were delivering both synchronous and asynchronous content. <clears throat> it really um, became too much us and too little of them. Um, I did have the opportunity at the very end of the school year to have two weeks in which I got to run uh, an advisory project um, as a remote learning uh, project. And I, I definitely borrowed Gary's advice um, that a good prompt's worth a thousand words. So I asked a group of seventh graders, the entire seventh grade advisory, um, what they were better at than anyone else, and then to make a zine about it. And I gave them a simple little digital template that they could put text on, they could put images in. And each of them ended up completely different. Each of them was better at something than anyone else was. Um, you know, we got uh, a fascinating insight from a, a seventh grade um, African-American girl about how multiculturalism has always played a role in the Star Trek series. We got um, some good crepe recipes. We got... Um, some uh, fiction review, um, and it, it was amazing. And so I carried that forward to the the summer camp that I was working at, that Tracy also worked at, and you know, same idea, just giving the kids the agency to express themselves and um, giving them uh, tools that are easy to acquire um, and that are easy to work with, um, you know, and then uh, give them a, an ability to share that work at the end. So you know, we were stuffing them into little free libraries and. I have them on Google Drive so people can download them off the internet and print them out. And, you know, so I think that's where we need to go in the fall uh, if we are remote learning is um, less us and more, more of the kids and giving the, the students the opportunity to really deep dive and um, to show off uh, what it is about the topic that excites them. And they have nothing but time, right? So now the sort of project work that we often bemoan we don't have time for, they have time for. And programming is, is the perfect 
you know, micro world for, for all kinds of project-based learning because everyone has it. As long as you've got a computer of some sort, there's, there's, you've got access to this infinite world of possibilities by, by bending a computer to your will and making something with it, with, with code. Um, anyone else have a question, comment? Uh, Gary. Um, hey, Brian. Yeah, um, just being in Hong Kong and so close to obviously mainland China that um, this hit us a lot earlier than, than it did the States. And so sure. we've been off since January. And, um, you know, we, we hit remote learning even before that with uh, Hong Kong protests in November. So there was some we had a little bit of a head start with some of that, but even then we're still sort of sorting things out. And um, not until, you know, April-ish did I, was I able to get a kit of materials for kids to be able to have. And so we either mailed them to them or they came to the school and picked them up. Um, you know, as, as we start thinking about this remote learning stuff, is if they don't have these things, um, I think schools need to be open up to, you know, be willing to offer up their resources to go home. And I think that that's something that a lot of schools are like, nope, it's not going to come back. It's going to be a cost that we have to incur. But the technology, as we know, is getting cheaper and cheaper. And um, so I had put together a home invention kit with the micro bit. Um, and we just threw a bunch of wires and, and micro bits and um, some, you know, and had had kids take it home. And that was what we did. And they, they had, I had a few lessons with them to kind of introduce it to them. And, and the, the spike and the interest in what they were able to do when they actually had the stuff in their home and we were on our Zoom calls, um, the energy level was higher. Um, and, you know, it's just, again, one of the things I just think schools need to be ready for is to be able to hand off. If you can have kids pick up lunches or deliver lunches, you can deliver these types of things too. Yeah, fantastic. I, um, yeah, I, I did a talk just recently. I was just checking that the video is available. I'm gonna, I'll put it up in a couple of days about some ideas about about doing some of this with programming and, and along the lines of what Brian and, and and Josh and Tracy were talking about um, from my perspective. But you know, this is the time for writing and music composition and programming and the things that require you know constant revision and debugging and you know, it, it's it, people's expectations are changing. I think when it comes to the arts and making, I wrote an article recently where I said, no, we should flip the script. We should assert that these are the reasons why schools exist. This is the stuff you can't do on the internet. And if you're going to reopen school in any form, then we, then we should demand that the focus be on the things that have been traditionally devalued except by everyone, except the kids yeah. um, or, or the teachers of those disciplines. Um, but the, you know, you're seeing that, that people's expectations are changing. I just saw, you know, Khan Academy is offering a day-long schedule of activities for kids. And when you actually look at it, it's two hours and 40 minutes. That's a day. They've got a lot of lunch. They've got a lot of play outside. Um, so if, if the public and, and the plutocrats think that we can reduce education to two hours and 40 minutes, Okay, let's let's seize that as an opportunity and let the kids spend hundreds of hours working on the kinds of projects that matter to them. Anyone else want to ask a question, raise an issue, share a memory, say hello? Paul R. Wood just joined, I, I see. Paul was at CMK number one. Anybody else at the very first? I think, Marsha, you said you were at the first one? 
Hi, Paul. Cynthia was. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was too. Very first. Oh, you were. Amazing. Karen. In the comedy yes. club. We, in the, we were in the comedy club. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Great to it, be. You know, see how when, far it's come in 12 years. It's, it's fantastic to see you. When, uh, people don't believe me when I tell them this, but the first year we ran CMK, Sylvia had to leave early for some reason. We ended at 4 p.m. I packed it up myself and made a 6 p.m. flight out of Manchester. Um, wow. Last year, we had a half dozen people packing up for 48 hours. So it's changed in scale in, in lots of ways. And, and, and that was the, day, the back in the days where Cynthia was happy because the only things you could do on a computer were program and make movies. No internet back then that we had. Remember, Gary didn't have like any internet access either. Oh, yeah, yeah. I refused to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> I resisted as long as possible. There wasn't, it wasn't the same internet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? I was just thinking also that even if you go back to school, you know, the programming and things like that are going to be things that you can do. Because if I go back in the fall, it's not going to be the big bins of maker materials that are free for all. You know, it's going to be a different scenario. And one thing that this, my students have at least is whether computers or iPads is a one-to-one situation and you know certainly you can get enough micro bits for a class and wash them all in between or whatever you're going to do but you know the fact of the ma- I know the fact of the matter is you're you know those computers and those you know actually you know speaking of the iPad I was really um, I had a couple of students on the iPad for my p5 class and they were working on that and I was really actually pleased with that I didn't realize you could could do that. It was that was good. Anyway. I was shaking my head about washing my washing micro bits. No, no, no. Yeah, I know. But I was just thinking about the iPad because sometimes we think of it as not a computing device, and I was pleasantly surprised that 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 she could work with it. But well, I mean, this is this month is the thirtieth anniversary of my work in the first laptop schools in Australia. And I've I've said a number of times it's makes my head explode that we're still having the argument about whether kids should have access to computers. So one of the things that the, that the pandemic has given us is an urgency to putting computers in the hands of kids. And then the next thing is to give them some materials that they, that they can use in any way they see fit. Gary, Henry, you with us? Oh, I just wanted to make a point. Go Karen. ahead. Sorry, Karen. Karen. Okay. So um, one of the things, yeah, the urgency about putting computers in kids' hands, but what happened in our area was paper packets. Packets were emailed home that parents had to print and use that as their instructional method at home. So discouraging to see, you know, just give kids a camera, use the camera and go outside and explore and document and and create. It just, you know, this kind of energy needs to be preach across the across the world well again i mean if you want to be optimistic about it i think that parents have been able to you know see under under the tent of like what what their kids have been getting and when when a parent says i'm not smart enough to do my second graders work they don't mean that literally what they mean is thank god i don't need to do that shit it's their problem and and this is going to be a real this can be a real challenge particularly for independent schools where 
or parents who are now going to be financially strapped are going to wonder, why am I spending this kind of dough to have my kids do this packet of nonsense? Um, and and other, and other options are going to emerge even in the public sector. I think it's going to it's accelerating history. All the predictions about how the school day and school schedule are going to need to be more flexible. They're going to be longer for some kids, shorter for others. That you'll do some things in the community, you'll do some things online. You'll do, all of that's being being accelerated. I don't think you're going to be able to put that genie back in the bottle. Um, and I, I feel bad for the kids who are being forced to do that nonsense. But I think the that sunshine is the best disinfectant. And it's it's probably a good thing that the public is seeing what kinds of intellectual diet has been been fed to kids for in a lot of cases. Anyone else want to contribute anything? Ask a question. Um. Uh. I hey, since Henry, we're talking. Hey, hi. <laughs> um. You know, I uh, I did firsthand uh, you know Zoom education since March. Um. And at, at least at my public school, um, it was seem, really seemed like that after about a month of it, no one, no one cared anymore. No one was, like, was watching. Like, after we took our AP test for Calc, our teacher told us, like, oh, I'm just going to post, like, work on the project. And, but just know that that means you have a free period. Do whatever you want. So, like, it basically, to me, it seems like no one's watching anymore. And do whatever you want, right? You could run a CMK for your kids. And if they do it or don't do it, you know, because I think one of the craziest things to me is that, you know, CMK, like nothing's mandatory, right? Like there's a library and, you know, Gary ships hundreds of books back and forth and you can use them if you want or don't, or the lectures, like the speakers are mandatory or are, are not mandatory. Like you can go to them or you can keep working or you can do whatever you want. Like, I think that's, what's really so great about it is that you can choose to, uh, make it what you want it to be. So if that's what's so great about this, then you should let your kids do that too. Some wisdom from the peanut gallery, from Schlepper number two. Excellent. It's great to see you and glad you could participate. Be here with us. Anyone else have a thought, question, comment before we let you all go? You know, there's an interesting thread going on in the chat now where people are saying they were doing Tinkercad projects. Um, and, you know, there are varying people can respond. Heather, Tracy were saying some kids didn't find it as interesting because you couldn't 3D print, but other people found that you could do things that you could never 3D print. And that actually, you know, in increased the interest, which I think is an interesting thought. You know, we talk about the, all this making in the real world stuff. Some of the most interesting things you can make are, 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 you know, are imaginary, the things you could never make in the real world. And so I think we have to push for those opportunities to find those crazy things. I mean, this would be a perfect time for some kids to take a step in and like learn uh, Blender, you know, where you can create animated characters, 3D animated characters for, for, for games and living in fantasy worlds or, you know, films that they could make. Um, those, you know, that you wouldn't have time for that in a normal school day. Yeah, I, I think that it's really true that you have to not just sort of reimagine some of the things that you might be doing, but like you said, really think about some of the complex things that you wouldn't ha either have the time or, or maybe just, you know, there's like the, like this magic little sparkly things like, oh, I want to play with this. I want to bend the you know, the pipe cleaners into different shapes, or I want to do that. And, 
you know, it is an opportunity to kind of go deeper and to really explore some real tools. Absolutely. Or, or that, that, that software that's been on your shelf for, for months, you know, here, figure this out, um, you know, and, and, and develop some mastery and, and then be able to share that expertise with others. All right. I want to, I want to just share a couple bits of, of information for you um, or with you. The CMK wasn't able to take place this week in Manchester, um, but we're committed to it happening next year, um, July 13th to 16th, back in Manchester, New Hampshire at the Doubletree Hotel. And our hearts go out to the folks working there. Last time we spoke with them, they were down to one or two employees. Um, and, you know, who knows if, how, if they'll be able to hold on, but I hope they will. Um, they had the, 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 the primary this year, so I think that's a, a big event for them. Um, but we're planning to be back July 13th to 16th, 2021, and all of our guest speakers from this year have committed to being with us next year. So we have Lenore Skenazy, the amazing journalist, author, advocate, TV host, the, the person who coined the term free range kids who's made a remarkable contribution to us, us thinking about over parenting and over policing children and letting kids be kids. Alfie Cohen will be with us later this afternoon. Peter Martin was, was an extraordinary um, composer, pianist, and is doing some of the best work I've, I've ever seen for teaching incredibly complex things online. Um, like learning how to be a jazz musician online. Um, it will be with us as well. I'm told that Ann Nelson from Australia, my old friend, principal until recently, she retired this year as well, um, of my favorite school in the world, has stayed up all night to be with us, and Ann wants to share something. So I'm going to turn the mic over to Ann. Are you with us? Ann? Um, can you hear me? Yes. I just wanted to say hi from Australia and it is the middle of the night here and um, I really, even though I've only been to two CMKs, I feel like I've um, known about it and been part of it for longer through my friendship with Gary and Sylvia and what a great thing it is that you do and I miss it a lot and I hope I can come next year. So um, thank you for including me. I'm the least technical person who's ever been invited to be part of this. So thank you for still remembering me. But um, wonderful to um, hear everybody's reflections. And the best thing I did was to bring two of my staff from school in Melbourne, Australia, to CMK two years ago and I think they had a huge impact on the school and hopefully we can do it again. So thank you. Well, thanks for being here. And we, we always love having you participate. You make remarkable contributions, even though you don't, you don't think you do. Um, any of the other faculty want to get in a last, last word before we, we say goodbye for the time? Mm. Or anybody, anyone, anyone who's visiting with us? Can I get it? <laughs> get in a second. Last right. word. Um, yes. I'm, I'm moving because there's the street cleaner truck is making a huge amount of background. Oh, it's like a Spike Lee film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really. Um, the current situation is um, 
you know, there was a point where Steven Pinker was quoted as saying, you know, how do you do what you do? And he said, I used to go to MIT. And where most people see pro- where most people see badness, he sees uh, problems to be solved. Now, what we're going to do is, is I think for the next year, maybe, maybe it's not going to be a whole year, there's, we're going to have a remarkable opportunity to try things out that we would never have been allowed to try before. And in talking about what materials to use, I think there, there's a very different spin that we could put on all of this, is we can change what conversations are happening. You know, that I think it's the case now that if you wanted to spend a couple of hours of quality time on a daily or nearly daily basis with a small subset of the class, you could do that now. And rather than thinking about what the activities are going to be, we may want to be thinking about what kind, how we want to change, the, change how people are connecting with each other. And it's funny, though, because um, we went to visit a school here that was, they calling themselves the new school where they're trying to redo the high school curriculum. And they had the crazy initiative. Maybe the math teacher and the science teacher and the language teacher could talk to each other about particular kids. Right. And the schools... And that, believe it or not, not, that was a hard one to instill the stuff among the teachers. But we need to make time for, for that. that. And yeah. I, I think the thing is, is maybe we can all be thinking about the fact that the patterns of communication, the patterns of conversation can be changed now. And maybe we should be thinking about what the best thing to do, to do with that is. Absolutely. You know, you know the, the people who are much more optimistic than me are, are, are pointing out all sorts of opportunities like this. I know folks like Wynton Marsalis and some other musicians that are talking about how um, student instrumental performance is improving exponentially because everyone is playing their part, recording it, and then putting it back together as an ensemble. And that in the past, you could sort of hide your flubs. Um, but now people actually have to, are, are paying very close, kids are paying very close attention to what they're playing because everyone in their class is going to be able to hear whether they're sort of skating or not or whether they're messing up or not and that it's actually that that the the constraint is providing a discipline that 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 heretofore didn't exist um anyone else brian had the penultimate word i just want to share um again so cmk next year um mark your calendars you'll hear from us um, I want to point out the rest of the day. We have two more exciting events at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Sylvia is going to host a conversation with, just with folks who have been been at CMK over the years and to talk about what's happening in their classrooms. And, and you're all welcome to come back. You're all welcome to come back, of course. And the same link works. And then at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, Alfie Cohn will be with us. And then just to provide some lighter fare um, through the summer, you'll get an email about this. Um, I'm going to be taking the Ask Me Anything format um, and and starting with some 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 tall tales from my own personal experience um, over the years as a, a prompt to get conversations started and then to have people um, be able to ask questions and have conversation about anything they're interested in. Provide a a, a virtual 
campfire that we can we can share and stories and expertise and and challenge one another and ask questions. So that'll start next Thursday night. Um, in any event, I want to thank everyone who contributed. I want to thank everyone who attended. I want to thank Brian, Artemis, Jasmine, Josh, Henry, James, Skyler, um, Brian Silverman, Kathy Helgo, Tracy Rizidis, John Stetson, Angela Lombardi, Dan and Molly, Lynn Watt, Ann Nelson, Cynthia Solomon, Sylvia Martinez, um, for a, a, and Janine Moletsky, who's here under an alias, um, who who have contributed so much to all of our learning and to the joy that's been associated with CMK over the past 13 years. Um, we couldn't do this without you. You, you leave, live, leave me filled with love and hope that we can make the world a better place for the kids that we're lucky enough to serve. And I appreciate all of you. Love you very much. Please stay safe. Please stay sane. Um, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you in a couple of hours for the rest of you who want to be part of the conversation with Sylvia. Thank you very much, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this Constructing Modern Knowledge podcast. Our theme music is Jazz Impromptu by Brian Lynch, holisticmusicworks.com. For podcasts and additional inspiration, check out our website, live.constructingmodernknowledge.com. Be sure to visit cmkpress.com. That's cmkpress.com for books by creative educators for creative educators.